I got a question for you, Michael Terry, freelance sports columnist. Were there not already enough Manchester Derbies? Well, I mean, in truth, for the League Cup, I mean, this is why you fix the draw, right? I mean, as ridiculous as the competition is, it comes at the exact right time, right, for these two teams to play against each other. Um, because typically, I mean, obviously in recent history, especially under Ferguson, the League Cup's an afterthought. United have sort of degenerated to the point where this is actually an important <laughs> competition, right? Especially when they have to play against against City. How, how do you compare the importance of the League Cup for Marino's United versus uh, the Europa League, as a side note? Well, I mean, I think that, again, it's sort of an issue of timing. I think that if Mourinho was sitting second or third in the table and, you know, top of his group in the Europa League, probably doesn't matter as much. But in, in soccer in particular, it seems like the word crisis gets thrown around a lot more in, than in other sports, you know? And clubs in crisis seems to be this very fashionable narrative. And But it does tend to build. And almost seems like soccer clubs are, are more fragile than any other sort of sporting franchise. Or that's how, I mean, and maybe this is, has something to do with the fact that the tabloid press in the UK and in Spain and other places is, it's the way they cover sports is is so wild compared to the way tabloids do and do not cover sports here. I mean, our tabloid culture is out of control, but it's all almost all on that TMZ side, whereas, like, you have legitimate, so, somewhat, like, somewhat legitimate coverage in terms of the access that they're given in the UK from these, like, tabloid back page types, and maybe that, it behooves them to sell the narrative of this club always being in crisis, or this manager being a guy who sure. crisis follows them like a dark cloud. But I guess it's, yeah, I mean, I, there's an element of chicken and egg, though, because it does feel like so many times clubs that are described as falling into crisis, the wheels really do come off, you know? When the tide sort of turns against managers, it just has such an amazing impact. Um, but then maybe that's just romanticizing it because we play into the narratives that get covered anyway. I mean, I think, but I think that the way that United one is is being covered right now, it's it's hard to say that it's not unfair because you know Moyes comes in and everyone expects this kind of transition. It's way worse than people imagine, and then Van Hall comes in. And there's this sort of steadying in terms of getting to fourth place or, you know, trying to build this, this sense that this sort of world-class manager will come in. But with Mourinho, it almost feels like nobody knows what they're going to do, both covering it and being at the club, if this one doesn't work, you know? Like, this was supposed to be the one that they've... The time that United finally admitted, okay, it's over. We can't really be United as it was under Ferguson. Uh, we're going to actually get the guy, you know? The guy that, for years, I mean, during Ferguson's reign, if you had ever suggested Mourinho taking over, you know, you would have been booed out of the stadium. Uh, and it, I want to talk about what goes into you saying that as a, an incredibly close follower of, of the team. Is it because 
a Man United true believer would look at that, someone like Mourinho and the antics and the mind games and say, that kind of stuff isn't what this club stands for? No, I think the, I mean, the mind games are the least of it. I mean, United fans loved the sort of overwrought and probably slightly trumped up mind games of Ferguson. He was considered, rightly or wrongly, sort of a master of that. And Mourinho was was similar. Um, I don't think that's the problem. I think the issue is more that... I think there's a, a real danger of, of misplaced identity in the club itself. And I think that other clubs who have had historically great periods have experienced that exact same thing. But United it seems very profound, you know? I mean, the comparison I always make is... The biggest, the biggest mistake that was made by Manchester United, and at least Ferguson played a huge part in this, was this notion that Ferguson insisted upon that no one was bigger than the club. And that looked to be so true when he would ship off Beckham when he would get pissed off at him, or he would get rid of Van Nistelrooy or Yapstam, you know, that he could sort of claim all these great successes no matter how many of those incidents he went through, he was still winning leagues, so then he was able to perpetrate, or sorry, perpetuate this myth that the club was the thing. The club was never the thing. You know, if you look at the, if you actually look at the history of Man United, essentially it boils down to this. They got really lucky twice. I mean, they had Matt Busby build the club, have this amazing uh, stretch of dominance and these forays into Europe and finally winning the European Cup and but people seem to forget the 26 years in between the two the two guys. Conveniently. I mean, I mean was, Liverpool fans will probably not let you forget yeah, Exactly, that. but like, United, I mean, United got relegated in the years after Busby. You know, I mean, managers were coming in and out all the time. It was, it was a complete shit show. And then eventually Ferguson gets hired. Wasn't exactly rainbows and sunshine at first, but yeah, he gets it right. And he benefited from having a good five or six years before the, exactly. the Premier League branding and, right. and the, the ramped up pressure and the money right. that came after that. Just enough time to get things started up. Right, but, and, and so you have to look at, a, a, there's a variety of factors that play into United's sort of ascendance, which, none of which are, are the fact that no one's bigger than the club. Um, it's this really weird sort of now, in retrospect, imperfect storm of sort of, you know, success, branding, and money that all came together at the exact right time. You know, Ferguson had finally built a team exactly when the Premier League breaks away. The money starts flooding in at the exact time that they have this team, and it just goes exponential. But at the same time, the brand builds exponentially. So it moves from being sort of England's biggest club to, like, the world's biggest, if not one of the three biggest. And it's all built on this history and continuity and these things that are, that are not actually true um, when, when, you, when you look beyond the Busby-Ferguson eras. You know, the, and it's the comparison, <laughs> the joke I always make is, like, you know, Obama, you know, fantastic president, great guy, brilliant man, thinks a lot of things that are... Uh, certainly to be applauded uh, politically, socially, otherwise. But one thing that he said from the beginning was his famous, you know, there's no liberal conservative, yeah. or, sorry, there's no liberal America, there's no conservative America, there's one America. Well, that's just not true. You know, sorry, I mean, I hate to say it, but that's not the case. And now that he's leaving, you know, 
we're we're getting a pretty stark image of the fact that that doesn't hold up. And 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 Ferguson, he's like, "Fuck, I was wrong." Right. And Ferguson in in had this one main underpinning as well, which was no one's bigger than the club. And so now we have to get behind the new manager, give him a six-year deal, and just sort of keep on doing this. What we learn, and we learn from Liverpool, uh, sort of in particular, is that it really is just a club. And people are definitely bigger than the club at all times. If you get a great, you should be thrilled to have a manager who's bigger than your club. Because it means that you're not just some fucking club. Yeah, who wouldn't want that? Who because, I mean, there's it? plenty of managers who, who fancy themselves that way. Right. And if, you're, if you legitimately are, which Ferguson was, we're now seeing, quite clearly, you know, they bought into these myths, you know, of which there are a couple. One, that no one's bigger than the club, that continuity is, matters more than anything, that the results will come if we have this sort of abstract notion of support behind the the manager. And the second is sort of this idea of uh, youth, the youth of United getting a chance, right? Young players always get a chance. Jesse Lingard. Right, so like, that doesn't actually hold any weight either. I mean, essentially, if you look at Ferguson's history of developing players, he gets incredibly lucky in 1999. I mean, whatever he did to develop those six guys, well done. Congratulations. But like, the fact that some of those guys played till they were 35 or 39 or 40 years old totally overshadows the fact that outside of that class of 99, very few, if any, players actually came through and really made an impact on the club. Who are they? Who, who, who are these names? Danny Welbeck? I mean, you can make an argument that Marcus Rashford is like already one of the five best youth products to come through. Oh, he definitely since is. 99. <laughs> and we still know nothing about him, right? But, and yet, so we have this insistence, right? Like, United is this thing that United probably actually isn't. And so, then it gets to the last point, which sort of plays into both of the first two, which is that United have this style of football. Right, the yeah. attack, attacking, attacking Cavalier soccer. I want to find the team that's like, all right, lads, we're not gonna play attacking football. Right. I mean, and it's not like the, you know, the the like the 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 tail of the dog like pub league. Of course, know? I mean, of course, of course, we we want to see the richest teams play attacking soccer because what what are we spending all this money for otherwise? But. That's not actually all that true either. I mean, Ferguson did have teams that played really attacking soccer. Most of those existed when they had players like uh, Roy Keane, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes playing in a midfield four. I mean, we could all send guys out to play attacking soccer if we were so lucky as to have that midfield, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll suit up. Right? I mean, what the way that what Ferguson was really amazing at was not playing attacking soccer or being a tactical genius it was a sort of adaptability combined with a degree of risk taking that granted was afforded to him because he had job security but like go through the other sort of incarnations of United yes they scored a lot of goals but a lot of these teams played for example in Europe very conservatively you know set records for most away games without conceding built primarily from the back you know it was only in 99 when we could when sorry we when United was afforded the ability to play such attacking and expansive soccer while still winning with like Ronnie Janssen and David May at the back you know ooh that's 
That's a deep cut right there. But they didn't get that's a B side. They right didn't there. get back to to the Champions League final again until you're looking at the likes of Rio Ferdinand, Vidic, Evra, you know, Van de Sar. Ferguson really did a great job of building from the back and making it look like they were this thing. You know, people want them to attack all the time. I always think back to the year that uh, Kevin Keegan managed Newcastle, and that really was a sort of cavalier, to use one of these stupid Britishisms of the way they play, this cavalier attacking side um, that did things like lost 4-3 to Liverpool and blew a 12-point lead at Christmas to give the league to United. And I don't I don't think United should want to look like that, you know? No. I mean, it, to, to just this arbitrary thing, these fans just chanting attack, 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 when A, the squad's not built for that, you know, B, to leave the current back four exposed like that is clearly problematic. And so then you get Mourinho. This is sort of the, the last piece of this. Mourinho then comes in where there should be no doubt about what he is, you know, this pragmatic mercenary type who whose greatest accomplishments are you know winning with 10 men against Barcelona with Inter Milan you know winning the Champions League with with Porto and playing you know boring boring Chelsea and and taking over the English League for a couple years well now he comes in and says I'm going to respect the traditions of the club which I guess are... I could see I could see uh, him doing anything but, you know, pouring over research and enriching himself right. with United history. He so, doesn't give any kind of special shit about that. I mean... Let's not kid the, ourselves. The thing is, like, he, I don't think that he should. I mean, I think he's actually sort of caught in between, you know, where there's this sort of mishmash of an attacking squad that clearly doesn't work all that well, and combined with his, like... Reflex to be defensive and cagey. I mean, you see what he did at Liverpool, and and you know basically parked the bus, which United sort of never supposed to do, and then goes into Chelsea to essentially do, do the same thing, and the wheels come off. Got and, curb stomped. Right, but sliced you know, and diced. I, one wonders if this is how he would want to build the team, or this is sort of how he feels. Our sort of responsibility to build the team. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times before, but that like when for, when when Mourinho got, gets to Chelsea the first time, the first player he buys is Claude Makélélé. I mean, other great names follow, but there's a reason, you know, the guy who then controls the midfield for years and ushers in their most successful period. And makes it so Frank Lampard doesn't have to really defend at all. Right, he exactly. Just forward exactly. And so he comes into United and they, they, they go all in on, on Pogba. They buy Mkhitaryan, who nobody knows what is to come of him. But you look at what what Chelsea did. Chelsea buy N'Golo Conte, which seems like the prototypical Mourinho buy. I mean, one would think, right? Like, if he's going to set up the way that he wants to set up, it makes sense. And I don't even think you would necessarily rule out buying Pogba as well. I mean, seems to me that they had sort of unlimited financial capabilities. Um, they may have been able to get both. But then he, he gets Pogba, and everyone's like, well, why isn't he the best player in the world? Okay, well, let's look at Pogba. Pogba has been great. It's not fair. Paul Pogba isn't the best player in the world. Right. Like, Pogba has been great in two scenarios, right? One, with he's been pretty good with, with France at times when he's playing in a midfield with Conte in between, right? When he plays or Pirlo and Arturo Vidal and Claudio Marchisio. And, not to mention... <laughs> I would be okay with those guys. Those, the Juventus midfield are the perfect example. Not only are they like full of 
great players. They also have the luxury of probably the best pure defending back line in world soccer. So, yes, I mean, Pogba was able to sort of determine his role, which is kind of this weird free role, but not quite a number 10. It, it is. He's a weird Yeah, not the number 10, player. not the pure defender. I mean, right. yeah. The but if you're asking him to figure out what to do when he turns his head and Mero and Fellini is, is now playing where, like, Arturo Vidal once ran around, it's a different situation. Even if you squint, you, know? you can't mistake the and, two. And I think Fellini is just a great example of Mourinho sort of not being able to figure out what the identity of his Manchester United team is. I can't it's just this David Moyes scar tissue well, that lingers. Well, yeah, and it's sort of this combination of Mourinho's ego, like, I'll, I'll build up Fellaini's confidence, and he'll turn into this, you know, world-beating tough man. I mean, granted, he's the only one that seems to put a challenge in, but he can't win a challenge. All he can do is commit fouls. Exactly. He can't play a ball. It's 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 useless. I mean, it's, ab- it's absolutely useless, but you can see that he doesn't know, like, should I really go for this and get rid of Fellaini in the midfield and be a little more expansive? And if I do, do I even have the players to do that? You know? And then you start looking at the other guys. Like, he buys Ibrahimovic. Well, okay. I mean, I don't think you'd find many United fans that weren't happy about this. But, like, for all the concerns about Rooney dropping off at 31 years old and, oh, we should get rid of Wayne Rooney, he's useless. Well, well Ibrahimovic is 35. I mean, at some point, he's also going to to sort of wind it down. And after his good start, let, let's be honest, Ibrahimovic has to be thrilled that Wayne Rooney has played so poorly. Because otherwise he would be the one getting dropped. I mean, at least people might say, what's going on here? He's not a world-class, ever-present center forward who can play Monday, Thursday, Sunday. Right. If you're Ibrahimovic at this point in your career, how do you get jacked up for a Europa League tie, you know, in, in fucking, like, Ukraine or Bulgaria? I don't think you do. <laughs> in the and middle of the week. And I also don't know if he's someone who should be playing all the time anymore either, you know, but but then you just start to look and you're like, well, yeah, that's the, the, the squad's pretty, pretty thin up there. Uh, but, you know, it, Rashford, too. I mean, Rashford is this... On, on, a, on a genuinely world-class team, Rashford should still be a great luxury substitution. He's a 19-year-old kid. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, of course. And, and when he was doing that, coming on in the 60th minute, and just he could, guys were tired, you put him up against some left-back who's exhausted, and he can, you know, run rampant. Should he be playing 90 minutes every week? I mean, this seems ridiculous, yet the supporters obviously clamor for Rashford. He's the homegrown, you know, savior or whatever. And they get they based this uh, individual career FIFA mode on FIFA 17 in part based <laughs> on him. It's like he's already... That's right. He's, it, 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 I don't know if that helps him I at don't, this point I mean, in his career. Yeah, there's little, it just makes the fans do more of that clamoring. That right, there's little doubt that he's been less effective basically in every game that has gone forward. He's been slightly less effective. Not to mention... Yeah, when he plays against the best teams for a full 90 minutes, he's still not able to, what, take over games? Like, I mean, I'm sorry. I I love the kid, and I think he's a great player. But, you know, isn't this what United fans, and uh, in another uh, uh, manner, English fans, tend to do with with these kids, you know? Like, there was a time when people felt a lot... Like, a, 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 a very similar way they feel about Rashford that they felt about Danny Welbeck. There was a time. 
you know, and I'm not saying Rashford's not going to be better. I'm just and every, saying every organization has their own version of that. Like the Golden Child, I think the the silliest one is you know any time there's a young player that's either eligible for or just started playing for the U.S. men's national team, it's like all of the sure. hopes and dreams of a nation get pinned sure. on this person, and it's it's so not fair, because for every Christian Pulisic who is totally disgusting and awesome, there's there's a million guys that are that are your never going to be able to take, yeah. Yeah, but never the, take over again. That's, that's, sort of the, that's sort of the weird thing, is that you have this, this, this myth of what Manchester United is, and Rashford sort of plays perfectly into that. He's youth, he's homegrown, and he's attacking. So attacking football! So he becomes this like, great representation for what the idea of the club is. And of course it holds no weight against much of the reality of Ferguson's tenure. Some of it, but to go back to the point about attacking, uh, attacking soccer. I mean, Ferguson did have teams that were like that. But he also had many teams who dominated the league for many years who were built on a far less expansive game. Uh, sort of deadly counterattacking. You remember they used to play Arsenal, and that was the big divide, is that Arsenal would try to play this beautiful attacking soccer with these kids, and, you know, there's the great Evra quote where when we play Arsenal, it's men versus boys. I mean, there's a reason that that held some weight, you know? They were a veteran team that would, would, would kick at you when they had to, and then let Arsenal come in, and Arsenal would play this, play the ball around the box, and then Ronaldo and Rooney would go scorching down the field in the counterattack, and it was 3-0 United. And that's the way that he built many of his teams. You know, the idea of him playing attacking soccer definitely falls apart when you get to Europe. The only time he ever attacked in Europe, he lost. That's it. That's when he lost in Europe. He, he went to Champions League finals and started guys like Jisung Park. He insisted on Darren Fletcher playing in the midfield in some of the biggest games of his career. The Darren Fletcher. And, you know... You look at the current squad now, one great example is, is, is Carrick, right? I mean, when they got to the Champions League final against Barcelona and lost, uh, he was asked, you know, who's the first name on the team sheet? And it's Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick was, according to Ferguson, the most, if not one of, you know, certainly the one of the most important players on a team that went to multiple Champions League finals in the center of the park. And that has to mean something. And so... Has he been replaced? No. He's still sitting there in the squad, and I would say that they actually look better still when he's there. Now, he's past it. He's not as good as he used to be. That's just a problem. That doesn't mean that he's still not a better option than Marilyn Fellini. But again, it goes back to this. Mourinho is caught sort of dealing with all sorts of considerations, and have you ever have you ever seen him act like this? Like, it's like... It's like he's real. It, he he seems like a smaller version of him himself. It's very strange. Well, it's because so he weird. needs to be the uh, the despot with the cult of personality around him. Right. And United Which is one of the should. only places where even someone like him, and, and he's been at Real Madrid before. He's right. seen these these titanic organizations that have a combination of excellence and history. Uh, that just in order to jive with that is no small but I task. Think, I think, I sort of, I think the, the opposite, I mean, again, we're just denying the reality about United then if we don't admit that it was built on the cult of Ferguson's personality. Mm-hmm. The whole project for the la- those 25 years was built on the cult of Ferguson's personality. But it was so organic that they uh, misconstrued that it not, as the club culture. Right. So it's not, the, the Mourinho thing, the Mourinho cult of personality, it 
it is framed for better or for worse as much more of this unholy alliance. Yeah, it's like my God, of, like it's almost this like people view it as like malevolent. Yeah, almost, it's like we have right? to win. Sure, we're gonna sit, we want to be really good at the guitar, him. so we have to sell our soul to the devil at the crossroads right, because right, we've right. lost for the last handful <laughs> of years. So we this is the then don't hire him though. I mean, right. you either you know if you hire him. You are, I think, there was a chance for United to be very honest with itself by hiring Mourinho. Hey, guys, we're not this special thing. Ask Liverpool if they're a special thing. They believed they were a special thing after the 80s, and they went through a nightmare. Quarter century. And if you ask Klopp now, Klopp gave this great uh, quote the other day where he's asked, he's being compared to all the great managers of Liverpool's past. He's a duck. So don't compare me to any of these people because that was a different time. This is a new time. Everything is different now. Yeah, there's a German managing Liverpool, okay? You couldn't have said that 25 years ago when they were promoting from within and the famous Liverpool boot room and morons like Roy Evans were managing the team. <laughs> and of course it didn't work. And, Liber- and you know, United mocked, United fans mocked Liverpool for that sort of obstinate belief, you know, 18 league titles. It has to be done this way. We were this, we we still are this great thing by virtue of our history. United fans mocked that, and now United fans, a lot of them, are just becoming the very thing that they mocked. And perhaps the chief beneficiary of this is Manchester City, who seems to have some things figured out. Well, I think City's in a very weird situation, because, um, I mean, obviously the squad is makes way more sense than United squad. I mean, but well, they're incredibly deliberate about it. I mean, Joe Hart, <laughs> right. Joe right. Hart, a uh, beloved, oh. you know, they love singing, you know, right. don't sell Joe Hart or Joey, Joey Hart. Right. And he's boom on loan right. in fucking so, Syria. Ah, and, oh. and Pep is, is, is the, the beat conductor and the, the fans can't complain right now. Can they? Well, Pep kind of gets actually came in and did what, you know, you thought maybe Mourinho should do, which is like, Oh, well, you guys like Joe Hart, and, well, fuck Joe Hart. He can't play the ball with his feet. He's gone. I don't care what happens. I don't care how many mistakes Bravo makes. This is the move we're making. And I do think that, on the one hand, I think it is it is obviously working. They'll probably win or finish in the top two. Um, but I, it, it's, it's also strange. I mean, I think City, there's some problems there, too. I mean, especially in Europe. I mean, I know it's easy to say that now because they just lost to Barcelona. But when you look at Pep, as great as Pep is, and obviously an incredible manager, I mean, look, I mean, guys usually win when they have all the best players, right? It and helps to have the it, best it, players. It helps to have all the best players. And, and when he was at Barcelona, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he didn't obviously help them win. I'm just saying that then he went to Bayern, had a slightly worse squad, and... Still great, still dominant, still one of the best, and couldn't win in Europe. No, it's not his fault or, you know, per se. It's not like he did something wrong. Yeah, there are a lot of hot takes about, right. you know, Pep's failure. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's weird, though, because it, while he didn't win, you know, when he did win, I mean, he had Xavi and Iniesta and Messi. And, uh, you win things with those guys. And, and what I would be a little concerned about if I was City is that, like, okay, kind of looks like a... Barcelona B team out there. I mean, I'm, there are guys who might make it into the. How long Barcelona do you see team? that being a thing before they before they are just Barcelona? Because I don't, I, I don't, this I, is all very. I'm deliberate. not sure it's possible. I'm not sure if Guardiola is this genius who can adapt or won a bunch of stuff with this sort of 
gen- like all time great team, and now will still be very good. But you know, he it, it was this very strange moment. He gave a press conference uh, a few days back where he was sort of being criticized uh, after the Barcelona game and asked if he's going to sort of change anything. And he says, this is my system. Essentially, he says, this is my system. This is what I do. And he then, it's sort of a throwaway comment. He says, if it doesn't work here, I'll just go back to Spain. Well, okay, that's kind of like weird. I mean, I'm not saying he means that. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's so... two months in. With <laughs> Yeah, with Jiki Bukaristan and Ferran Soriano, it's so clear that Manchester City, from the academy, the bottom of the academy all the way to the senior right. team, are just trying to emulate that Barcelona model, which is really the Ajax model, the, the Johan Cruyff embryo. Um, so, it, and, and Pep's not known for staying around places for more than a few years. But uh, it, that is an interesting comment. Maybe, maybe he would have better off, be better off just waiting a bit longer for more of these uh, these seeds to take root because they very clearly are. And in their multi-territory model, I mean, you include NYCFC in this as well. They're just trying to be Barcelona slash Ajax, right? And of course, it it works. And you can sort of make the argument that it's what appealed to him about City more than Bayern was that Bayern was so set in both its playing staff and its its ways and its complete domination of Germany that the City project does give him the ability to really try to make his own Barcelona. Right. There's going to be no Beckenbauer. Right. Um, and that was never really resolved. Beckenbauer op- openly lamenting the idea of the, the tiki-taka uh, short-passing exactly. style, pinball style. But then, but then, like, I mean, if, if they keep failing in Europe, uh, and again, not necessarily through any fault of his own, but just, like, if you just keep losing to Barcelona... Which is completely in play, as long as those guys are there. That eventually someone is going to say, "Well, you know, what do we do then?" Because if you, if you, if you, the cult of personality works the other way, where guys are sort of expected to just eventually win Europe, and he's definitely one of them. He, he's expected to win a Champions League for City, and that's and that's, that's the the prime directive for City. They've proven that they right. can get over the hump and win the league. Right. They've done it with uh, with two different managers now. They've got to be the favorites to win it now. But but so much of it then is 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 just having the best team, or at least like a team that can go with with these guys. I mean, look, I mean Ferguson. To go back to Ferguson, I mean Ferguson's run in Europe. He, he won two Champions League finals. You know, one by scoring two goals in injury time. Uh, like the greatest comeback. In Just the how they threw it up. Yeah, and the they other threw it on the whiteboard. All right, boys. And the other time they won, <laughs> the other time they won, they they sort of got lucky in facing Chelsea, and the Chelsea's captain falls over in a penalty shootout with a chance to win it. Now, I'm not saying they didn't deserve to win the Champions League. I'm just saying that like the other two times they got to the final. They just went in a shell and subsequently lost to a team that was clearly better than them. So this can happen, and I think that like it's very dangerous to expect world domination from Guardiola just because he did it when he was the manager of the team that could do world domination. And so, I mean, winning in the Premier League is one thing. I mean, that squad should obviously win the championship this year. But you don't actually... I don't think anyone really thinks that if... Guardiola plays Barcelona in the Champions League final. There's any reason that they should beat Barcelona? I mean, well, I mean, what if Kevin De Bruyne hits puberty by then? I mean, Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> I would say he's probably the only one who would be a, get into that team. I, I mean, I think De Bruyne is incredible, but like, yeah, you know, he'd be like the like the super duper Rakitic. Sure. Does De Bruyne or sorry does uh, does Aguero get preferred to Messi? No. Does Silva get mm-hmm. preferred to Neymar? Of course not. You know, like the 
uh, Nolito or Suarez. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's not really actually all that close. Right. But when you compare it to, like, the pl- the teams in, in England, who I think, you know, as much as it sort of pains a United fan to suggest, I mean, the only team that... The, I think you're actually looking at Arsenal and Liverpool and Spurs are far closer to challenging City than, than United are. You know, and, and I, I think it sort of makes sense because... I don't think that clubs have an identity, but I do think that individual teams can develop one, right? Which I think is a critical distinction. It's a mistake that United made. There's this identity of United or the old Liverpool, this identity of Liverpool, but I think Klopp's yeah. Liverpool has an identity. And, I think the, and th- what I like about that is it's something that was just kind of allowed to happen. There was no right. there was no putting the cart before the horse. It's like, but this th- is what we are, and we have to tweak right. as much as we can to conform to this. how long it took Liverpool to like finally be like, we need to completely separate with whatever that past glory was. And they could have done that. You I know. mean, they should have won the league when Suarez was scoring every five seconds right, and, right, uh, right. and Sturridge and, and Sterling were, were terrific all around. They There's no reason why they should have fucking when, not I mean, won I think the league make, that year when, I, I, when City took it. I mean, Steven Gerrard right, fell on I his think ass. you can make an argument there because I, I, I still don't actually think they were the best team in the league that year, although... I have were, no idea to this day how they didn't win the league. But... I do. Th- I think that one of the reasons they didn't win the league is precisely this: the amount of pressure that surrounded the team because of the past and and reclaiming that throne or whatever, finally getting that title, is that most teams that are in that position happened to United too in the early '90s, sort of get close a couple times and sort of fold because it's so intense, and particularly with sort of Gerard's last run, you know. This it just I think it just got to the point where it was crazy, and they started just they they folded. And I don't know if it's just because they were a bunch of choke artists like United fans might want to imagine. Oh, Liverpool just bottled it or whatever the case may be, or just that like that pressure really is that intense when you are so hell bent on reclaiming a thing, you know, being something that you're just not anymore. I think Spurs is such Spurs are such a great example. I no one would argue that Spurs are playing for any past glory. No one would argue that there's mm-hmm. this this thing that is Tottenham Hotspurs. But they certainly look like they've figured something out. I think it's got to be exciting if you're a fan of that team. One of the most visible teams in in the English game that doesn't have a rich history of championships. Being one of those fans uh, to see some payoff from having supported the team for long enough to where you get to now forge whatever this identity exactly. and this character is going right. to be going forward. That you're not burdened by this real or imagined thing that's that's an albatross around your neck. You get to create it and watch right. it happen in real but time. Does anyone ever like ask the you know the manager of Spurs if he feels he's doing things the Tottenham way? I mean, what what would that even? I mean, it would, exactly. Would, it would I have no idea so what, now, what the Tottenham way. So now, way what means. does Spurs get to be? Spurs get to be a pretty rich team in London with a great base of players. And then they get to build. And a lot and less you know, pressure on them yeah. than Arsenal and, and Chelsea. Exactly. And, 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 and Wenger it sort of deals with it from the opposite side, whereas United's, all the new guys have to deal with this old thing. Uh, Wenger has to deal with this, like, oh, should you still be doing this the same way? And, you know, I mean, I will tell you right now, I mean, 
I am, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great to see Arsenal sort of figure out new ways to lose all the time. But <laughs> what I will say is that the people who, are cl- who just clamor for him to leave are actually insane. I mean, it's, first of all, what we're, what we're seeing with what we saw with Liverpool for a quarter of a century, what we're now seeing with the United, is that nobody is entitled to win anything, ever. And so I know he's been, it's been a long time where he hasn't won, but they don't have as much money. They run the club like an actual business. They don't have debt. They built the stadium the right way. They have a great product, you know. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be really proud to be an Arsenal fan just because you're not winning leagues. I know that sounds kind of stupid. Just the fact that they have done it and the model, at least in and the brilliance of Wenger was you know, actually scouting the continent when almost nobody, nobody in the UK was, was doing it. Right. So there's so almost this like money and, ball. But, then, but now everybody's doing it. Even like exactly. you know, Stephen DeFore plays for right. Burnley. Right. So um, he, he but that advantage being gone, I mean, and he's also uh, Wenger was a, a serious trailblazer in terms of bu- budgeting for uh, an analytics department and things like that. Right. But, but, but ultimately, you, ultimately, you when, ultimately, when Wenger was a dominant force in terms of winning trophies, ultimately. As great as all those things were, uh, he had the best guys in England when they won. <laughs> you know, I mean, Vieira, I mean, Burkamp, Henri, Burkamp, Henri. I mean, Perez, Overmars. This, they were, just, they were better than the team that they have now. I mean, it's just that's it. It's not like he, you know, it, it's just a bunch of kids or they they don't have the 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 guts for it. Or I mean, Vieira could suit up and play number six I, for them right now. You, you look at him, yeah, and you think he might still be able to do it. But I mean. Oh, his hands! His hands alone are so big; they envelop yours like a wound. The team was just better. I mean, it's it's just that simple. And so, I, I mean, I think that he's close to getting back to having a team that is sort of as good as as anybody in the league. I do think that that's happening. But you know, the idea that let's say they finish third this year, let's just say they finish third, will there still be these people being like fire the guy because? What happens next? I mean, it's, it, it's insane to think that there's just someone waiting who's going to like sort of somehow take them to a level that Wenger has been unable to do. You know, just sort of wave a magic wand. You know, it's well, like, there. If you have this this system and this character, this guy in place for as long as it is, it's not entirely dissimilar from from United having to move on from Ferguson except for the fact that the pressure there is even higher and they've right. won more championships but moving on from Wenger they're gonna there's gonna be a trough and it's gonna take a couple years no matter what they do for sure and, and no one in the right mind as a manager should want to be the guy that follows Wenger at Arsenal because it's gonna be hard right there's gonna it, well, there's that's gonna the same be a thing with obviously what happened at United which is why my my, my main argument about it is if you are deciding to hire Mourinho, then you just have to be all in on that. It's over. There's no. There's got to be no like requirement of attacking soccer. You've got to say if you want, you know, Conte uh, instead. Uh, maybe not get Pogba or get both or whatever the case may be. Um, the uh, if you want to sit Marcus Rashford like you did many other players at the Chelsea Academy, well then that's going to be the way it's going to be. But if you start if you insist that Mourinho, out of respect for Ferguson or respect for United, has to be this sort of watered down version of himself, yeah, then why get him in the first place? Then makes why no get sense. him in the first place? And what you're going to get is a watered down version of Mourinho. Which if you look at the three biggest games of the year so far, City loss. 
Liverpool uh, a 0 0 tie that would have embarrassed United fans under Ferguson to see the way we set. I was embarrassed for myself because I actually tried to watch it. Yeah, exactly. What a waste of a Monday. And then just getting crushed by by Chelsea because he's playing this half. It's half measures here. And so, you know, to sort of get back to the uh, League Cup match that's tomorrow which was the whole purpose of this, is that it comes, at, for me, it comes at this fascinating time where the stakes are way higher than they would be otherwise because it is just a League Cup uh, match. But at the same time, you know, bad run of results for City for the first time of the year. And also United, it, it just, it, it's going to be really way worse for United if they lose. There is a lot more pressure on them. I mean, it's... and. I think there is this fear amongst fans, and and and, and also sort of the way it be, is being covered is like this fear that like this is just going to keep going, that like this won't get fixed, and if this doesn't get fixed, like I said earlier, what's the move after that, right? I mean, does Mourinho, never mind if the fans want him, does Mourinho stay if let's say for two straight years? United don't qualify for the Champions League. Which, let's be honest, is completely in play now because of Absolutely. The other clubs that and there's got to be this fear among folks in the United camp. We cannot allow something like the Europa League to become anything even remotely approaching the new normal. Exactly. We cannot but, let but this like, happen enough times okay, to where so it starts to feel normal. Right, so City in, in Arsenal and no one's under more pressure than that. Those those four teams and Chelsea Right, all are in better shape than United. That's that's the truth. They're all in better shape. Well, what so, I love about what I love about City and why I think they're they've got to be feeling really good about themselves, especially in in relationships. United is that with City, they've got some history and some narrative, but really it's and and, and Pep is a great manager with a wonderful resume, but. It basically doesn't really matter who's managing City. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to. I mean, I think that what they're waiting for, obviously, is the payoff in Europe. But again, I just, I, I if they finish sixth this year, which, which totally I think could happen, I think it's exactly. I think they're the sixth best team in the league. So if they finish sixth, I mean, what, what happens? I mean, what do you do? Do you do you say like, oh, this won't work? Maybe Mourinho hates everybody by then, or the fans don't want him, right? I, or he comes back and then what what do you do do you just you just try again in this way or do you finally say like all right well i mean we really have to clear house here and build the club in Mourinho's image just like the club was actually built in Ferguson's image the club was actually built in Busby's image but we somewhere along the way people decided that united was this thing unto itself and it never was, and it never will be, especially in the modern day of soccer. I mean, those things are done now. You, the manager, or no, just go win. There's too much right. damn money on the, the line. Club director, all this romanticism right. and this, you know, this aura. Exactly, that doesn't matter anymore because there's too much money involved. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if it ever really mattered. Or I, like I said, I really think that Ferguson, uh, the the trick that was pulled. I'm not saying deliberately, but just the we just. People just decided that United was the thing when Ferguson was actually the thing, and that has ended you up know? being a burden. Liverpool was never on the, the thing. organization Liverpool in this brave new world. Shankly was the thing. Paisley was the thing. Those were the things, and 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 
again, like I, you're also moving, obviously, a bigger discussion is this sort of diffusion of the power of the manager into club directors and all that type of thing. But if you're going to go with the, an egomaniac like Ferguson, which is what he was too, or an egomaniac like Mourinho, then that's your setup. You're all in on that crazy person to build exactly what he wants. And however that looks, given his track record, probably lead to some trophies. Now, you might not score 85 goals in a season, but you'll win. Otherwise, don't do it. Just give the job to Ryan Giggs if you want to still be united and see what happens. Hey, they missed... It's a a huge uh, black mark in the recent history of United that they didn't go sweep up Bob Bradley before yes, he well, became unavailable. I mean, maybe and maybe that's what's next. I mean, I mean, if if you're just going to end up being a team that plays in the Europa League and just have to grab whatever marketing money you can, just get some Americans in. Jason Christ, Jason Christ, <laughs> oh, who learned man. who learned so much allegedly well, from from so, career shadowing uh, at uh, the Manchester City. The one thing that's so like fun to watch about this United situation is that you can actually feel that Mourinho's not even not saying what he wants. Like you know you have to know that Mourinho wants to go into the press conference and be like, the players are shambolic. I mean the <laughs> players are absolutely terrible. And they like there's no effort. In that Chelsea game, like it to me, uh, is the first time I was have been really worried about the Mourinho thing. Because look, if the players care about the manager and he's going back to his former team, who's also the team that you hate as much as any, save for maybe Liverpool. You're going back into Stamford Bridge with that guy. And it's a huge deal for that guy. And you get utterly embarrassed and lose yeah. for nothing. Let's just save face. And they, and they didn't care to do that. I mean, they, they gave up in that game in a way that... I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a United team. Oh, like I thought, I felt like I was watching fucking science fiction. Yeah, Twilight Zone, Black Mirror. And it it was like, you know, I said to my my brother at the end of the game, you know, they can't even take the game to somebody anymore to try to get back into it. And City knows that they can take the game to them. City knows going into this game tomorrow that they can take the game right to them. The team would go down, and then you could see them like take over. And try to get that goal. There was a rudder. Oftentimes the rudder was just Ferguson, right. but I mean, or you got all these goals in character. That <laughs> kind of helps. Yeah, and so now but there is no like, rudder now. Well, and they because Mourinho's afraid to do the big dick Mourinho thing, right. or he's reticent about doing it because of this this either real or imagined aura of Man United. Well, and you can't take over games with, you know, as much as they could fit in certain systems. You can't take over games with. Rashford and Martial and Fellaini, they, those, those aren't the type of players who take over games to get back into a game. Those are players that, you know, Fellaini works in set pieces and the other two work well on counterattacks, and that's the end of it. So there's no, you can't really get that forward push anymore that you used to be able to get when you could sort of set up Scholes and Carrick as a pivot and let, you know, Rooney, Ronaldo, etc., sort of play into the game. And I think that overall, it's it's very worrying because I don't think that there's anywhere else to go for United. Uh, I think if Mourinho doesn't figure it out, you could be looking at a very long time away from the upper echelons of the game. And that would be, in the short term, there would be a lot of gleeful United haters who would be uh, almost clamoring for that. 
but I feel about them the way I feel about the Yankees and other juggernaut teams. The people who hate them are the ones who need them to be good the most. It's, it's not is right. it, you as a Red Sox fan. Isn't it not quite as fun when the Yankees aren't it's great? Close, you want to beat yeah. the Yankees when they're great. And Michael Terry, unfortunately, we're out of time. They're going to kick us out of our lovely trappings here in the Wicks Lounge in the Chelsea section of Manhattan. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll do it again soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. We, we appreciate you joining us and, and giving your expertise. League Cup on Wednesday afternoon, City versus United. Do you see... Okay, so first of all, is, is United going to score? I actually... I mean... I mean, I think that United are going to lose the game. Um, the smart money is on United I, I, not I, prevailing. I what, I what I will say is that I, I actually think that We'll get a very good idea of where Mourinho thinks he stands at the club right now because if he goes out there and tries to be more expansive and attack, they might score a goal, but they'll lose. But if he goes out defensively and they lose at home to City, the wheels might come off. And so even just tactically, you're going to be able to see a guy that, as far as I can tell, is is completely caught between a whole series of, of factors. Um that I just, I, I, I can't predict. I would I have no prediction for what. And in terms of the possibility, the <laughs> sincere, real possibility of the wheels coming off, we'll look forward to watching on Wednesday with <laughs> no small amount of morbid curiosity. <laughs> right. Freelance sports columnist Michael Terry, thanks so much for joining Thank us you. on the Spherical Podcast.